0: Hello church family. My name is Oyo. I joined Gateway Church in April 2012. I'm married to Terry and we have two beautiful young adult daughters. I was asked to do a devotional on part of the chapter of Mark. So I will read that and then I'll take it from there. So the scripture is Mark 11, 1 to 11. As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives jesus sent two of them on ahead go into that village over there he told them as soon as you enter it you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden untie it and bring it here if anyone asks what are you doing just say the lord needs it and will return it soon the two disciples left and found the colt standing in the street tied outside the front door As they were untying it, some bystanders demanded, What are you doing untying that colt?" They said what Jesus had told them to say, and they were permitted to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it, and he sat on it. Many in the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others spread leafy branches they had cut in the fields. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Praise God in highest heaven. So Jesus came to Jerusalem and went into the temple. After looking around carefully at everything, he left because it was late in the afternoon. Then he returned to Bethany with the 12 disciples. So I read the text and wondered what I'd have to say that has not already been said about this very popular text of Scripture however the first thing that occurred to me when I read it this time was God's faithfulness you might be wondering what the link is between the triumphal entry also known as Palm Sunday and God's faithfulness well Bible scholars believe that this is a fulfillment of Daniel nine twenty five. this verse in Daniel Prophesied that there will be a specific time period between the announcement or the command to rebuild Jerusalem and the day that the Lord Jesus will be declared King of the Jews. That's Palm Sunday. Historical secular records show that at least four commands were made by four different monarchs across the centuries to rebuild the Temple of God in Jerusalem. However, only the command by King Artaxerxes of Persia to Nehemiah, that's in Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 1, on March 14, 445 BC, included specific instructions to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. The time period between King Arta, Xexus Command and Palm Sunday is exactly that which was prophesied, 173,880 days. Now, there is a mathematical element to the prophecy in Daniel, which enabled Bible scholars to arrive at the number of years and days. I'm not a mad guru, and this is not the time to go into that detail. But the attention to detail is the first piece of evidence of God's faithfulness in making sure that this prophecy was fulfilled to the day. To ensure that the prophecy came to pass, Jesus delayed the time he was declared as king. So in John's account of the feeding of the 5,000, after the people had eaten their fill, they tried to forcefully make him king. He slipped away into the hills to avoid this because he said it was not the right time. This is in John 6. It is significant then that on this day, historically believed to be 6 April AD 32, our Saviour King planned the events where he would be healed as King in detail, including giving specific instructions. What follows is simple but profound. Jesus is crowned king and he allows it. More than that, he facilitates it. In John 12, 13, the crowd say, blessed is he and praise to him who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. John goes on to point out that the fact that our Lord Jesus is on a colt or donkey is no coincidence. He was fulfilling prophecy in Zechariah 9, 9, even in that detail all of this is evidence of God's faithfulness. Now Peter W Stoner and Robert C Newman wrote a book entitled Science Speaks which was based on the science of probability and vouched for by the American Scientific Affiliation. The book sets out the odds of any one man in all of history fulfilling even only eight of the 60 major prophecies fulfilled by the life of Christ. The probability that Jesus of Nazareth could have fulfilled even eight such prophecies would be only one in 10 to the power 17. That is 100 quadrillion. One in 100 quadrillion. That is an enormous number and I cannot get my head around it. But hopefully you get the idea. God has given enough proof of who Christ is. Based on the prophecies fulfilled during his first coming, the miracles he performed, the things he said, and the authority with which he did all these things, God expects us to believe that our Lord Jesus Christ is who he said he was, to trust him to pay the punishment for our sins so that we will not have to, and to wait expectantly for his second coming. He did not leave us the option of thinking of Christ as a good man or a prophet. If you have never considered who Jesus Christ is for yourself, I pray and hope that this short talk will give you an incentive to find out more. I also noticed in verse 1 our Lord Jesus sent his disciples out in twos. It is important to note that he never went places alone nor did he send his disciples out one by one. The, the Bible tells us in Matthew 18, 20 that wherever two or three are gathered in Christ's name, he's there in their midst. And throughout the Bible, God refers to two or three. It's never one person. Um, so for example, witnesses in court had to be two or three. Another thing that stood out to me was that our Lord borrowed things he needed. So in one instance, he asked for the use of a room for the Last Supper. The other example was a donkey he borrowed for this prophetic ride in um, the, 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 the chapter we're reading. I believe our Lord Christ was modeling in both cases that none of us is independent and teaching the importance of being interdependent, dependent on him and open to and dependent on each other. As I believe is further illustrated by Apostle Paul's comparison of the church to a human body with different parts in Christ discipleship is not a solo journey or a one-man show. The simple obedience of the disciples to our Lord Jesus in verse 6 is also significant. These were grown men who had left their jobs and careers to fully devote themselves to follow Christ in his work and the expansion of God's kingdom. They were not casual or apathetic about the Lord Jesus. They were fully invested in this mission. I'm not saying that we must leave our jobs or careers. My challenge is, If you know Christ as Saviour and Lord, how obedient are you at telling people you know about him? People tell others about Christ even at the risk of their lives. Would you keep quiet when you're not even at risk of losing your life? Can you think of one person with whom you could share what Christ has done for you? We are called to be disciples who walk in obedience, always dependent on our Saviour King. Thank you for listening. To conclude, Shalom is a Hebrew word. It means peace, well-being, harmony, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, welfare, and tranquility. It can be used idiomatically to mean both hello and goodbye. I don't speak Hebrew, but I like everything this word means. So, Shalom to you. God bless.